Hey God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and to worship you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to come and to not only worship, worship being the main thing, but also to hear your truth. Father, to hear your word. And Father, my prayer is today is that as we worship you in this, this moment that you've given us, God, we will also listen to you. Father, that we will hear and hear effectively. Hear in such a way, Father, and help us do this, that it impacts our life, that we will take what you give us, and God, it will be internalized, and we'll take it and live in obedience to you. So, Father, continue to walk us through this service. Continue to walk us through this time together. Continue to teach us. Continue to help us to worship you well. Because, Father, everything we learn, everything we take away from today, as we live it out in obedience, may it bring honor and glory to your name. Father, we thank you for this privilege and opportunity. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, good to see you today. Um, yeah, we're going to finish up Hebrews 5, chapter 5. Jason, I did not know. I'm just going to pick on you for a second. I did not know that your wife had a little gangster in her. We're going to hit these houses, you know. And, and so anyway, we're actually just going to take and invite them to a meal. But uh, hey, dude, you're living with a gangster. So anyway, good to see you guys today. Uh, yeah, we're going to finish up Hebrews uh, chapter 5. Um, my brother, hey, I got it right this time. My brother Jason will be preaching next week. Okay. I mean, you get him and Jeremy confused because they look so much alike. They could, they could be twins. Um, they're awesome guys. Precious God. I want to find where, if you got a Bible and you, and you want to turn, turn to Hebrews chapter five, that's where we're going to be today. And we were talking last week about, um, this particular passage of scripture, um, has, has been instrumental in helping me understand and, and gather and live out. And it's just a little short passage, uh, to live as God desires us to live. Um, who believes in hearing that God always tells the truth? Sure. God never lies. He always tells the truth. Um, and, and so, there's such a, a struggle today, and, and I don't know how many brothers and sisters you guys get to talk to, or uh, people you get to talk to, because it's like a huge amount of America professes to be Christian, right? And, and usually where I typically, typically go with that, when someone tells me that they're a Christian, then you begin to, uh, uh, like in the grocery store, you begin to inspect the fruit. Because Jesus said, and let's yell this out loud, Jesus said, you will know them. Oh, come on, y'all can do better. Now, I got my hearing aid in. I couldn't even hear you. You'll know them by their fruit. Absolutely. You'll know that they live out. Now, that's not to say that they're mistake-free because I, I, I belong to Jesus and I make mistakes. Sometimes I make it outright, knowing it's wrong. That's called sin, right? And so... We need to live with a, a repentive heart. What I'm going to share with you today um, is uh, the, the writer of Hebrews is dealing with Christians who has become discouraged, and there is a reason uh, for that. I, and I want to kind of use this also, um, a, a dull hearing. That's what we talked about last week, meaning that, um, oh gosh, how do I want to start? Uh, there has to be a correct motive 
when you enter Scripture. There has to be a correct thinking motive. My, my, my suggestion, no, my outright would tell you this. If you're going to enter Scripture, pray first. Pray, pray first that, that you're going to listen to God. Um, you ever, and I told y'all last week what kind of student I was. You ever had a, uh, uh, seen someone in a classroom or in a, in a, uh, you know, in a student situation, teachers teaching, they're laying out stuff. And then the teacher asks, like right after she finishes laying this out, okay, somebody repeat that back to me. And like half the class can't repeat it, which means they were not listening, right? So just like when we're reading scripture, What's our motive? Are we, are we seeking God? Are we seeking His truth? Are we seeking to be filled with the very thing that is going to change our life and, and help us live in a way that glorifies God? Cause just reading scripture and believe this or not, there are people out there just reading scripture to be reading scripture so they can add that to their, uh, uh appearance package of looking like a Christian. But I want to tell you something. Though Christians don't always live in a perfect way, there are, there are a couple ways to know. And I'm not talking about us looking. I'm talking about us look at each other. I'm talking about us looking in the mirror and looking at yourself. There is a way to tell if you are actually following Jesus Christ. You also will see fruit in your life. You can, you can tell by the way you think. You can tell by the way you process things. You can tell by the way you deal with people. You can tell certainly by the way you, uh, you, uh, deal with, uh, hurt. If someone's hurt you or, or you, you can tell, you know, in your own life, whether you're listening to God's word, because you will deal with those things most of the time. And if not, if you don't deal with it in a certain situation, be repentive, but you will deal with those things in the way that Jesus Christ dealt with those things. Okay. And if you'll go read the four gospels, it is a very clear picture of Jesus doing life. Of Jesus living life. He, he lived and his, his, uh, his life was, uh, accounted or written down by four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can go and look in the four gospels and see how Jesus lived life. There is no temptation that we ever faced that Jesus did not face. We can never go to Jesus and say, you don't understand that situation. You've never been there. That's a lie. Everything that we've ever faced, he has faced in some sort of way and always dealt with it in a sinless way. He never sinned. He never sinned. He's, he's perfect. So what I want to uh, talk to you about today is, is encouraging you to get in the Word of God, to read it with a proper motive, read it after praying and asking God to reveal something to you. I'm, I'm just a firm believer in this. If you belong to God through Jesus Christ and you ask Him to show you something, I'm not saying it'll happen that second or... Uh, in a moment or two, it may take a little while because God always has a reason if he does make us wait. But where do we find the answers to our life situation to live out to honor God? Simple answer. The Bible. That's where you get to know his heart. That's where you get to know him. That's where you begin to understand, let's just go ahead and say it, how to live 
in a right way. So let's uh, let's go ahead and read. I'm going to start actually uh, back in verse 11. I think I said start in verse 12, but if you got verse 11, chapter 5 of Hebrews, uh, my subtitle in my Bible here is actually a call to spiritual growth, a call to spiritual growth. Uh, and guys, I've had conversations with people. Um, let's, let's go ahead and put this out there as well. Um, there's, there's Christians who are struggling to understand some things and I'm confident. And I would say this to you. Don't give up. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep meditating on the scripture and God will, will show you that. There are those who do not know Christ that God is actually using scripture. Um, <clears throat> I use this term, um, because it was it was used in in a church I went to hear a message in one time. I was talking about soul winning. Okay, what's the best advice you could give a non-believer? What's the best advice as a believer could I give a non-believer? That is saying, hey, this is loose. Okay, this is loose. Um, uh, I want to know more about this God. Okay, which isn't necessarily a seeking Him. I just want to know more about. God. So would you send him to someone to tell him? I, I would certainly tell him to seek wise counsel. I, I'd certainly tell him that. But the number one thing I would tell even someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, let me give you a Bible and you start reading. You start reading. Well, Danny, you tell me that I really can't gather it all together unless I know Christ. I get it. Start reading Scripture. That's where God reveals himself the most. In someone's life, you can hit the smartest guy in the world, the most evangelical, loving, smartest, brainiac Bible person in the world. Where do you think he got his knowledge from? Scripture. Scripture. Start there. So let's go. That was just uh, an introduction. That wasn't a message. So <clears throat> let's, let's start. So here we go. Verse 11, chapter 5, there is much more we would like to say about this. Now, the reason they couldn't say much more about this, and he's talking about the connection between Jesus and Melchizedek. He's, he's talking about what the connection was and what it meant. He said, the reason we can't say much more about this, he says, because it is difficult to explain. And here's why it is difficult to explain. He says, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That is a very key verse. You are spiritually dull. Let's, let's kind of lay that out. Spiritually dull means, means you're not listening, nor do you want to listen. Okay? So you're not listening. If you're not listening, you're not going to take it in. I like to say this, and guys, I'm going to tell you something. It is a great joy as pastor of this church. I look around some Sundays and see folks taking notes, and I am telling you that is one of the greatest joys a pastor could ever have. I got one little lady in this church, now two, because I think she's been talking to her sister, two young ladies who come every Sunday after service and will give me what they have written down, the notes they have taken. And let me tell you something, it's pretty doggone good notes. I'm telling you, they're writing things down, and it is such a blessing to see that because the, the motto, is, uh, my motto is this. If you ain't writing it down, you ain't taking it home, okay? Now, some people can remember better than others, and I remember those days when I could remember. Now, I can't remember how to remember. So, I have to write things down, okay? So, if you can't remember like I can't remember, then write them down. They'll benefit you, 
Okay. But the reason he's having, he said, you don't want to listen. You don't seem to listen. He said, you have been believers so long. So these guys he's addressing, these are Christians. These are believers that he is addressing. You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others, meaning that not necessarily that you, you are going to be a, uh, <clears throat> a teacher over a class or you're that kind of teacher, but you ought to be teaching it, which means you ought to be able to relay the truth of the gospel to someone else. You ought to be talking to people who do not know Jesus and you should have the knowledge to know how to relay this message, relay the gospel, tell them of Jesus Christ. You should be teachers. You should be teachers. You should be able to encourage and build up your fellow brothers and sisters. You should be doing these things. But because you don't listen, because you're not taking this in, you're still a babe. And and he's going to lay out a beautiful picture of what a baby is, right? Now, a baby is a beautiful thing. A babe in Christ is a beautiful thing, okay? A babe in Christ is a beautiful thing, Um who has ever got the privilege of rejoicing to see somebody come to Christ? Any, any, no, y'all pay attention, okay? Uh, alright, so, um, to see someone come to his is a great, great joy. To have a heart, um, let me use just a few illustrations. I tell you how to view someone who doesn't know Christ. Anybody in here have a heart that breaks for orphans? Who just, don't have a, a parent, don't have a home. Uh, they, they seem to be cast out. Anyone, any, anyone have a heart for those? Just, just orphans who, who just, you know, they don't know and they're, they're just living wherever and, and living the best they can and, and, uh, and our hearts. And that's what, that's what someone who doesn't know Christ, um, now we can get into, uh, there's like eight messages that I could preach out of this, but I want to use this one today. Um, uh, orphans, they, they don't have a father. They don't have a parent. They're just lost. They're just lost. And so what we, those who believe we should be listening, paying attention so that we can tell them of the father that we serve, right? Tell them of the father that we serve to tell him about who he is, that even he can change the, 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 filthiest, the, the, the most craziest, awkward. He, he can change the sinner. He can remove him from the pit to life. And so we need to be able to, we need to be teaching others. We need to be sharing those things. And if we listen, if we pay attention to what God's word's saying, we will be able to do that. Okay. So let's walk on just a little further. He goes on, verse 12, I'll reread it. You've been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic things about God's Word. Meaning that, um, I call them John 3.16 Christians. You can run into most people. Most people in the world will know John 3.16 or at least bits and pieces of it. But that's all they know. That's, that's all they know. Does it ever go beyond John 3.16? Yeah, better. You need to understand that Jesus didn't, if, if you are a follower of Christ, He didn't just save you. He bought you. He purchased you. And He didn't just purchase you so that we could go to heaven. So here's a confusion, a confusion about uh, why people should be saved. 
So many say it's so they can go to heaven. Now, brace yourself just for a second. I want to be careful how I say this. And if you got any questions, please ask me after service. Jesus did not come, bleed, and die on the cross of Calvary for the sole purpose of getting us to heaven. He didn't. Preachers will preach. You got to you got to know Jesus so you can go to heaven. That isn't. That isn't. This takes lots of stuff. This isn't the primary goal of God in sending Jesus and nailing him to the cross for our sins. If you read closely the scriptures, it says to make us like Christ. For the Father to be glorified, for the Father to be honored, for the Father's name to be lifted up, and for us to be made like Christ. Simpler word here. To be changed. To be changed for the glory of God. Because I, I believe this with all of my heart. When God brings one into His kingdom through Jesus Christ, for lack of a better way to put it, this is just my simple bowl of grits mind, I think God's happy about that. When one comes to salvation through Christ, I think He's, he's happy about that. He rejoices in that. So, we need to be prepared to share. You know, most conversations I've been in with people who do not know Christ, I don't need a... Uh, a uh, doctrine. Uh, well, I know I'm gonna mess this up. What is it? That thing that guy. I always think of the guy that's heard the bachelor, the guy that's not married, the bachelor's degree. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, a bachelor's degree in in scriptural things to share most of the time with with the lost. What he needs to know is who Christ is, who he is. Can can you and can I? Can both of us? Can we explain effectively who Christ is? But they need to know they're a sinner. I want to tell you something. They already know that. I, I'm standing here preaching to you this morning, and, and, and I still struggle with some sin. That's just plain and simple. I do. I fall sometimes. Did you know that this preacher of yours can get angry? Anger is not honoring. That doesn't honor God. He's working on me. But listen, you need to be able to effectively help people understand who Christ is. So, in knowing God's Word, and here's where I want to go this direction, in reading the Scriptures, can you effectively give an understanding and a picture of who Christ is? Who He is? Just chew on that a little bit. He said we still need to be taught the basic things about God's Word. He says you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. I use this and we'll finish reading. You never have to teach your child to do, do wrong, right? That comes naturally, right? Ain't nobody ever had to tell me how to do something wrong. It's like that's ingrained in me. That's what I'll gravitate towards. But you have to teach them to do right. Who in here as a parent believes 
that parental guidance is of the utmost importance in raising your children. Sure. Be a parent. I just heard a radio broadcast this week about uh dad, and it was on dads, but dads being friends rather than dads. Look, my boys are grown. My baby's 25. All of them's out of the house. Praise the Lord. And so, um, you know, they're, they're up and out. Um, but I, and I, and I failed in a lot of ways, but I was more interested when they were coming up. I was their, their dad. Did I want a friendship? I wanted them to love me. I wanted them to care. About me. I didn't care if they were mad at me. I'm still going to tell you what you can do, what you can't do. And I'm going to enforce that. Why do I do that? Because I love you. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Because I love you. Listen, it's miserable having to um, press some kind of authoritative thing on you. It's exhausting. If you would just, I'm sorry, I won't go there. If you would just listen. I don't know if y'all have ever been there as a parent, but I, I, I was. So you teach, you train, you don't leave them babies. You know, one of the things that kind of makes me cringe just a little bit is, is when you see uh, a little cute child and they're, they're saying that funny stuff that later on they'll, they'll get a potty mouth if you're not correcting them. But, but they're saying that little cute stuff and, and they're, the parents are like, I just don't want to ever see them. I don't want them to ever grow up. What? Sure you do. But you don't only want them to grow up. You want them to grow up well. You want them to grow up right. So teach them. We got to know the Word of God if we're going to teach them. Teach them the Word of God. And we have to learn. We can't be on milk forever. You're not going to be taking in milk and being able to teach the things of God. Milk is to get you started. And if y'all are ready for some agricultural examples, I'm going to give you some in just a few minutes because that's where I come from. That's where I come from. So he's talking about solid food, verse 14. Solid food is for those who are mature or who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now let's, let's jump into some com commentary. I want to kind of breeze through this a little bit. Would you say that we have a problem in our, co our culture today, our nation today, the, the determining right from wrong? Anyone want to shout out amen on it? There's a problem with that. You know, and I, I get to thinking about kids sometimes and I, I, I go in a convenience store and I watch kids, you know, and I'm like, I have like, uh, just the other day, let me start on the good side. Just the other day, a young man stopped and he couldn't have been much over 18 or 20 years old. And he was at the cashier and he's checking and he was, thank you, ma'am. Appreciate that. You know, just tremendously polite. And, um, I'm thinking to myself as I'm standing behind him, I said, somebody did a good job with this kid. You know, now I don't know where his spiritual condition is, but somebody guided him. Somebody taught him. And then again, you, you go in a convenience store and you're like, I'd like to have him for about 25 minutes. And they could remove all abusive laws. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, but like somebody has just dropped this kid. You, you teach them the truth. They have to know. I don't know why 
<laughs> I so want to aim this towards parents today, but but know the scriptures. If you belong to God, seek the scriptures and raise your kids according to that. Well, Danny, they're not going to like me. Of course they won't like you. You're going against what they like. Hey, God still reveals things in this word to me that I don't like. But then I get to the place. Who's right, me or God? God. God's right. And whether we like it or not, I believe if God's doing that with you and for you, He has your best interest at heart. All right, so let's start with this here. My little subtitle on my notes today is called The Failure to Mature. It's been exposed by the writer of Hebrews here by this time. He's just saying, according to this time, as long as you've been believers, you should be able to teach. You should be more mature. You should be able, you should be telling others of this, this, uh, work that God has done and is doing in you. You should be sharing this thing. The scripture should be coming out of you, but because you're dull and you're hearing, you're not paying attention. You don't notice you're still babes in Christ. So it wasn't that the, um, it wasn't that they, they were unique people who should hold a role or a teaching role. Teaching in this sense is teaching those who you do your daily life with, and you should be able to teach yourself. You should be learning. So there is an important sense in which every Christian must be a teacher because we can help disciple others. We really only master something after we have effectively taught it to someone else. Teaching is like the final step of learning. So I put a little note down here, living it out, putting it into practice. How do I know something works effectively? You walk in it. You, you, you do it. At first, agricultural example. Uh, years ago, and y'all may not get this, and so just bear with me because if you don't hear anything but the last little piece, you'll get it. Years ago, there was a, um, a difference in the way we planted a crop. You could plant in a, we called it a fir, but technically it's a furrow. Okay. I say fir because I'm from the south and we didn't learn to O. Okay. But we planted in a furrow which is a deep little trench. That's what we planted in. Well, flat planting came along. It was just planting flat on top of the ground. It eliminated cultivation. You didn't have to cultivate anymore. You could do everything with herbicide. You could you could just kill everything with herbicide. So this, there was this big lemon. There was an argument. The old farmers, the one that wore overalls and had their little pocket up here, those old guys said, ain't going to work. We're going to stick with the furrow. And they did. I had an uncle we never could convince that the flat planting was was better. It was faster. After all, faster, faster, faster. It's got to get quick. You got to produce. You got to go, 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 go. If you farmed 100 acres this year, you need to be farming 200 acres next year. Yes, that was my life. So anything faster, quicker, better, that's the way we went. And so there's this, this dilemma that, that it was, it was better to flat plant and, and, and it did prove to be more effective in the, in the, uh, the, the, the thing of, of speed and producing better. And I was a flat planter. That's what I done. Cause for one guy to take care of 500 acres, you, you gotta go. I mean, you, you can't let no grass grow under your feet. You gotta boogie in the hall and boogie in the kitchen. You gotta make it while it's there. 
Okay? And so we will go, 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 go. But it proved to be an effective measure. One of the things I want to point out, it proved not to have erosion. If you planted in furrows, do this on a hill. If you got one at your house, dig two or three furrows like this. And when it rains, water will fill each one of them up and begin to burst over. And then it creates a trench, a, a, a big opening in your field where with a flat plant, water just kind of feathers out and goes, goes down. It don't, it don't make a trench. And so we learn these things, but I learned by how? By practicing. By practicing. And at some point in time in, in, in my farming career, I could say, look, it works. Th this works. Then no-till came along where you left all the litter on the ground, didn't disc anything up, eliminated erosion, and you could say, this works. If you got a highly erodible field, do this. This works. Point being, when you live out Scripture, you're testing you're, and, and I'm using the word testing in a way you're living it out. You're, you're applying it. You're working in it. And it tests to be true. Anything that God ever puts in your life and tells you to live out and test will prove to be true. God, I don't understand it. He said, I didn't ask you to understand it. I'm asking you to do it, be obedient to it, live in it, apply it. The understanding it will come later and the trusting it will come later. Just do what I'm telling you to do. If you went around America today and said, do you trust God? I would say most people would say most. Now, would say, uh, yeah, for the most part, I trust God. Well, why ain't you following him? We, we follow the things we trust, right? So, you practice it. Then you can teach others, just like, uh, you know, I used to do little ag classes at schools, and, and I would go around and, and teach ag principles and, and stuff like this, and we would talk about things and how things had changed from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s. We'd, we'd talked about all those things and what was better, what was worse, what worked, what didn't work, all those things. And the reason I could teach that effectively is because I had practiced it. Just making sense? I had practiced it. You practice this. When you practice this, it approves, it proves to be true. Let me tell you something. This might sound unspiritual to you, but just by reading it, you don't always figure out how that goes, how that works, how that goes together. But when you practice it, it makes all the difference in the world. When you put it into practice, you got to practice it and then you can share with others say look i not only read this this is not just in scripture i have lived it and it's proven to be absolutely true it goes right back to doing what trusting god trusting god i've told y'all this before this this word my granddad told me one time from cover to cover he said there is not one lie in this book not one lie Everything you read in there is absolutely true, 100%. And you're thinking, well, wow, he knows everything. And he would tell you, I don't know everything. Well, how can you tell me that everything in this book's true? And if you hadn't read everything, because God wrote it. I trust God. Therefore, I trust what God has given. Some of the best advice I can give you. I trust God. So therefore, I trust what God has given. If God said it, it's true. Well, I want I want a, a rebuttal on it. You can rebuttal, rebut it. You can do whatever you want to with it. 
at the end of our seven hours of rebuking and rebuttaling and all that, at the end of seven hours of discussion, God's still going to be God and this book's still going to be true. <laughs> Just because we may not agree with something from Scripture doesn't make it true that it's wrong. God's Word is truth. Sometimes we just need to stop arguing <laughs> with Scripture and adhere to it. And I'm talking to those who are following Christ. Sometimes stop trying to figure it out and just live in obedience to it. It'll prove to be true. So these mature Christians, um, or mature Christians rather, uh, we ought to be teaching ourselves. So let's, let's run down a little list right here right quick. He said, you have come to need milk. Milk corresponds with first principles. And I want to be, I want to be absolutely clear on this. Uh, if you got Hebrews 6, 12, go ahead and put that up there. First principles. I am not trying to say that the first principles, anything's wrong with the first principles. You need the first principles. You need those things. I'm even going to go as far to tell you today, if I don't get to this point, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now that you need milk to wash down the meat. This is what I mean. You don't do away with the milk, the things you learned as a babe, the basics. You don't do away with those things. You need those things. You need to be reminded of those things. You need to hear those things once in a while. It, But as you mature, you, those things will wash down the meatier stuff. It's building a foundation on the Word of God. You need all of this. So when we learn something, okay, I learned something better, I can do away with it. No, you need all of this. He says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because their faith and endurance. Okay? So... <clears throat> Solid food is the meatier material such as understanding the connection between Jesus and Melchizedek. It isn't the milk that is bad. Listen carefully. But these Christians should have added solid food to their diet. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he reminds us, what does he remind us of? Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will what? Let's all say that word together. So that you will grow into full, ex full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. I did. I did want to use one illustration. Anybody ever had a baby that just loved to eat? We we are one of our boys. Like we should have just stuck him under the cow. I mean, really, he just he just liked to eat all the time. And so we we he could have eaten twenty four seven, and he, he'd have been fine. And so. uh I love the picture of that baby who's always wanting to eat. My, my dad had to say, and he said, uh, uh, somebody complained that, man, he is always eating. He never stops eating. Daddy said, better to spend it there than at the doctor's office. Amen. He's being nourished. He's being nourished. I wish one thing we could learn from being a babe is that a, a baby craves and they will let you know, won't they? They will let you know when they're hungry. I wish we had that kind of craving as adults, as mature believers for God's Word. That kind of craving that if somebody was to take our Bible, we would scream to the top of our lungs and we'd throw a fit and beat everybody up in the whole neighborhood till we found our Bible. 
Where's my food? Where's my food? Where's the plate? That's how we should crave the Word of God. Most important thing you'll do during a week, the most important hours you can spend, the most uh, constructive and building thing you can do is read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Put other things aside. So let's look and see. He asked this question. The commentator I'm reading from today, uh, for he's a babe, said, in the ancient Greek, this, uh, in the sense of this phrase, for, is for... Um, for he has become a babe. There is nothing more delightful, of course, than a, than a true babe in Christ, but there's nothing more irritating and depressing than someone who should be mature, but who has become a babe. So he's going to ask this question. He's got, I think, four here. I'm going to ask the questions of us today. Have you become a babe? Have you become where you still live on spiritual milk? Is that all you're craving? You want the simple things. You want, uh, you know, the basic things. You need to be taught those things again. Is that you? If you have been saved and you know that Jesus Christ has saved you if you uh, and this is a question I ask people who profess to be a Christian what's different in your life from a year ago and if they can't tell me something's changed in my life in one year basically saying oh God hadn't done anything you're starving to death or you never sit at the table of God to begin with here's what I know about God when He brings you into His household, He's going to feed you. He's going to nourish you. He doesn't have, and I'm not making fun of this when I use this word because I know we live in a very sensitive society. I'm not making fun of this, and I'm not, I just want to use this to make a point. God does not have any anorexic children. He just doesn't. God feeds His kids. He feeds his kids. As simple as that. So are we a babe. Perhaps your Christian life is unstable. Go ahead and put up Ephesians 4, because this is a very crucial passage of Scripture. So maybe, uh, maybe your life is unstable. Babies are handed from one person to another, and the spiritual babies are tossed to and fro in the wind. Um, so let's read this right quick. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Pay attention. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. It blows my mind more and more every day of the teaching that is out there that is so close to Scripture and people's just buying it and it is false teaching. One more time. Number 2071. A batch of brownies looks good. But if I bought, brought you a batch next week and I told you I mixed a little cow manure in it, would you eat them? See, that's what some people does with, with Scripture. They This, 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 and this is true, but they add something or take something away because they're trying to make it fit. They do that, and that's where the manure comes in. Anything we add and take away from Scripture is just manure. You don't need it. God says never add or take anything away. It is what it is. It says what it says. It means what it means. Because if you start believing as a babe would, uh, if you start believing, i never forget, uh, my uncle picked on my youngest son, told him that Indians still live where we did. And the kid actually went out through the woods going, whoa, whoa, just trying to find an Indian. He actually believed it. Boy, wasn't too bright. But anyway, he actually believed it. 
And for until he was like five or six years old, we went took him to Cherokee. And he's like, wow, Indians do exist. You know, and he believed this thing. And Indians do exist. They really do, but not the way my uncle was describing it to him. It's just, it's just, it's just like you'll be tossed back and forth and, and you, people will put things in your head. It's why when you sit down, if you're a believer and you sit down with a professing brother or sister and you sit in there and you listen to him and it's the thing that's made you go, what? Where in the world did you get that from? Well, I read this book by J. Allen Boer or whatever, you know, I read this book and he said, well, see what right there's your problem. You done started reading the book. Stick with the scriptures. Let me read this right quick. There will be no longer, uh, there will that then, excuse me, I'm just excited about God has such good things to say to us. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. If you've ever studied anything about our great adversary, Satan, he is known as the great deceiver. The one thing that brings him glory is to be able to deceive a child of God. Oh, he just revels in that. To make them or help them believe a lie. It's why I always tell you, guys, I'm giving you some scripture today. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. So don't take my word for it. Go home, take Hebrews chapter 5, read the entire chapter. In fact, just go start reading the Bible and see if what I'm telling you is true. This particular verse in Ephesians 4.14 ended up with a key word here, influenced. Anybody heard of the woke movement? Where y'all been hiding? It's false. It's wrong. It's lies. How do you know that? Go read this. Anytime anyone takes it upon themselves to decide how they should live and how they should walk, it's dangerous. Anytime we do, this sounds really bad, but I'm telling you, we need instruction. Amen? We need right instruction. I read this thing. It doesn't always, it doesn't always make me happy. Anybody here? Can anybody else testify that this doesn't always make me happy? And you know why? Because God ain't about making me happy. God's about making me holy. God's about making me righteous. God's about making me like Christ. And then joy, which is better than happy, joy will come. And I'm talking about an unending, undestructible joy. So, don't be influenced by these false teachings and these every wind that blows, everything you hear. Because I could get into so much, but there's, uh, you know, there, there's prosperity preaching going on that, that makes you, you know, it puts the ball in your court. And if you'll just do these few things, God's going to bless your socks off. I'm telling you, be weary, beware of those. Beware of those. Because at the end of the day, can I just throw this in there before we kind of wind up? At the end of it all, every one of us in this room, 
Everyone in this room, everybody listening by live stream today, everybody is going to stand and give an account in front of the very God that I am talking about today. Every one of us is going to stand in front of that God, the God, the only God. Scripture teaches that. Every one of us is going to stand in front of God and we will give an account. And the only reason, the only reason that God wouldn't just bury me in the pits of hell, the only reason is because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. That's what saves me. That's what redeems me. Number two, perhaps you're divisive in your Christian life. Babies each have their own crib and they stick to it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. Pretty self-explanatory. They have their own crib and they kind of stick to it. A spiritual babe or and spiritual babes have their own particular denomination or church they think of as my church. Let me tell you something. I've been a Lutheran, Methodist, and a Baptist. I went to the big three. Been, been part of all of them, Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to take time to, to give you my thoughts. If you want to know that, you can talk to me after service. This church is actually affiliated through through the Baptists. Anytime we're more Methodist, Lutheran, or Baptist than we are Christ, something's wrong. Something's wrong. When I worship a denomination, I've actually been told, I was talking to a fellow, invited him to church. He said, what kind of church you go to? Well, the kind that Christ is preached in. Oh, no, no, no. Who, who, what, what part? And I told him, I said, we're, we're affiliated with the Baptist. Can't go there because my, I was hurt one time in a Baptist church. Oh. Well, you do know people that's been hurt in the Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, uh, all, people have been hurt in all kind of churches, right? So that's your reason. To me, you're worshiping something other than God. You're, you're wanting something other than God. So now you have labeled all Baptists as hurtful people. Which is wrong. Get off that. Get off that. In my church, you know whose church this is? This is Christ's church. Not just this little body. There are other bodies around. You know whose church that is? If they're doing the way God tells them to do, whose church is that? That church belongs to Christ, not to the preacher. I cringe sometimes when somebody says, oh, is that your church? Did you preach at on such a... No, I work there. I'm employed by Jesus Christ. Ain't my church. So please don't ever tell anybody you need to go to Danny's church. You can more than happy tell them you can go to the church that Danny pastors, but this ain't my church. I wouldn't want that. And you wouldn't either. You wouldn't either. This is God's church. <clears throat> Have you become a babe? Perhaps you are starstruck by Christian celebrity, celebrities of one kind or another. Babies are focused on one particular person. Go ahead and put up 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. They are focused on one particular person. Their mother and their spirit. Uh, yeah. Babies are focused on their mother and the spiritual babes glory in men. There's actually, this argument actually took place here. It said, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. And I'm going to tell you something. Paul was a good guy to follow. Paul was a good guy to follow, but he wasn't Jesus. Okay. And then it says, some of you say, I'm a follower of Paul. Others saying, others saying, I follow Apollos or I follow Peter or I follow only 
Christ. You know who you should be following? Christ. I love Paul. I mean, other than Jesus, he's one of the favorite, my favorite guys in the Bible. But he ain't Jesus. Follow Jesus. Because Paul would tell you, if you're following me, in fact, he even makes the statement, follow me because I'm following Christ so slowly so you'll see Christ in me. It should be Christ that we're following. Have you become a babe? Perhaps you are spiritually asleep. Babies like a lot of sleep. Spiritual babies spend much time asleep. Isn't it weird? You read books to babies to put them to sleep. Right? We do. We read books to babies to put them to sleep. <laughs> when you grow up, reading shouldn't put you to sleep. I know I'm going to get some feedback on that one. Reading shouldn't put you to sleep. Especially when it's the Word of God. If you fall asleep reading the Word of God, it ought to be because you've been in it for hours. That's why. you you just tuckered. What he's saying here is the Word of God should be so drawing, so so uh, creating the desire that you, you can't... Um, uh, illustration, I go, who likes pound cake? Okay, cool. You know what? I would sit there to eat the whole stinking thing. I just cannot get enough. Who drinks coffee and eats pound cake? See, that right there is this side of heaven. I mean, I can't get enough. My point being, that's what Scripture should be like. As we read, I'm, I'm just about to wind up the four Gospels again. I've been reading through those. And, and you sit down and you, and you make this plan. You know, I'm going to comb through or glean through a chapter or two to nine. So you're making notes and you're reading. And before you know it, before you know it, you're into like the fourth chapter, got a list of notes like this, and, and you're like, wow, it didn't seem like that long and man, I feel nourished. I feel nourished. So, Christ should be who we follow. Have you become a babe? Have you fallen asleep? Perhaps you are fussy. Babies are fussy and cranky, right? And it says a spiritual babe will fuss over any little thing. That is so true. That is so true. If you still got some spiritual babiness in you, it's the little things that just bother you. It takes maturity to smile. Can everybody show me your best smile? To just hear something, smile, and walk on. To let it roll. You've heard the stories of carpet being fussed over in the church, right? If you ain't never been to a Baptist business meeting, you need to go. You will thoroughly enjoy it. Not. They'll fuss over some of the dumbest things. I don't like brown carpet. Well, I don't like brown carpet either. Well, I don't like... And it, it, and there it goes. You know what? Let's just tear the carpet up, sweep the floor. Jesus is fine with a concrete floor. Stop fussing over the tiny little things that's not going to make a difference at all. There's people dying and going to hell. There's brothers and sisters that's not growing. They're starving to death. And we're fussing over carpet? Are you kidding me? Come on now. 
I don't know what it'll look like here if God ever moves me from this place, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to make this promise to you. We'll never have chandeliers hanging in this building. We don't need them. All I need is enough light to see how to read. Kiss it is what I say. Y'all know what that stands for? Keep it simple, stupid. That's what that stands for. Kiss it. <clears throat> Last little bit. I promise I won't let you go because y'all hungry, right? When is church ever going to end? We got another hour and I promise we'll be. I'm just kidding. We're winding up. It is unlike or is 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 unskilled in the right of uh, the word of righteousness. So these unskilled people to author is addressing. We don't expect brand new Christians to be skilled in the word of righteousness, but those who have been Christians for some time should. And this is where I wanted to wind up with some agriculture. I made some notes and I want to give you I want to give you guys a peace of mind. I've been in I've been in most of these places and some of them have been so effective and some of them has not been so effective. But I want to I want to give you this list or a kind of a list. I kind of look at scripture as fertilizer. That's that's kind of how I look at it. What what makes something grow? You can say it. There you go. That's what makes things grow, right? So I kind of look at scripture like that. Okay. So let me just say this. Um God has people planted in different fields and God has different crops growing. Did you know, did you know that corn and wheat require more nitrogen than soybeans? You don't want to put as much nitrogen to soybeans as you do corn and wheat because it doesn't require as much. Here, here's my point. Don't get in a knowledge race. Now, I am not giving you permission to not read your Bible. Hear me all the way through, okay? Don't get in a knowledge race, meaning this. Don't get in a race to try to outlearn the other guy. Just don't do it. This is freedom. This is complete and total freedom. Read your Bible. Take in what God is giving you and stop worrying about how far or how behind everybody else is other than you. God's going to give you what you need. Did you know He created you for a plan and a purpose and He saved you? He saved you if you belong to Jesus Christ. He saved you for a purpose and a plan. Brother, sister, dig into Scriptures and find out what that is by reading the Word of God. He's going to teach you, show you, make you. It's the reason we need each other. There's always going to be somebody smarter than you. Now, I want us to practice this. There's always going to be somebody smarter than you. Repeat after me. I can deal with that. There you go. I can deal with that. Now, I'm going to likely be smarter than someone else. I can deal with that. I can deal with that. My purpose is to share what God has given me. I need to hear. We just read a passage of Scripture. They wasn't learning. They were staying babes in Christ because they were not listening. We need to listen to God so that we, and I'm a firm believer in this, God doesn't only fertilize the plant to produce the fruit. The fruit's going to feed somebody. Amen? Let me tell you something I know about corn. You grow the stalk. You raise it up. You grow the ear, 
The ear produces the kernels. The kernels are processed. It's either going to feed chickens, cows, hogs. It could be turned into corn syrup. But the fruit that God produces in you is going on to someone else. That makes sense? We are to be giving what God has given us to someone else. It's passed on. The fertilizer that you take in, the things that God gives you, the things that you learn, the things that you now know and confirm through the scriptures, God says you're not holding on to this so you can walk around with your big bucket of pride and say, look what I know. God says you are to take that and to pass it on. So first of all, let me wind up chapter 5 this way. Listen. Get the spiritual wax out of our ears. Listen to God. Pay attention. Don't you leave out of here if you belong to Jesus Christ. Don't you leave out of here and say, well, God just ain't been speaking to me. No, he's been speaking. You just ain't been listening. Okay? He's always speaking. Well, he seems silent sometimes. Even in his silence, pay attention. There's something he wants to show you. He might want to teach you to sit down and be patient as he gives you what he's going to give you. But God is always working. He never takes a nap, never takes a break. He's never off duty. God is always working. So take and do with what he gives you, what he instructs you to do. Be giving. <clears throat> And let me leave you with this piece of advice. I just want to um, make sure you grasp this. I'm this is a challenge, by the way. I'll use this as a challenge. If you don't have a Bible, see me before you leave today. I'll get you a Bible. Okay? Take that Bible home. And there's no magical thing in what I'm fixing to say or describe in, in the way we do it. This is just, just, this is just how I proceed into scripture. Take that Bible home, lay it on your kitchen table, and just hold it there and pray that God show you what you need to be studying and what you need to be reading. Now, I didn't say that you'll be able to drop the Bible open at a flop to the proper place. I'm saying pray that God will show you what you need to be reading. Once you get into the Word of God, pray about what you're reading. Pray about what you're reading, what He is showing you. I think it's in Timothy, first, second Timothy, uh, that God said that, that all his word is beneficial for everything we need. I paraphrased, of course. His word is beneficial for everything we need. Everything he's going to do. So read. <clears throat> this is where I'm encouraging you not to be in a knowledge race. Okay, quit running the race. Quit, quit, quit trying to gain more knowledge than the other guy and, and receive what God's giving you. Meditate on what you have read. Meditate on what you've read. I'm going to give you a first verse to meditate on. Okay? Y'all ready? Write this down. Write this down. I'm going to give you the first verse. The first verse is this. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love God first. You can go read it in the Ten Commandments. We shouldn't have any other God before us. Okay? Love God first. Focus on that. Meditate on it. Find out. Ask God, what does that look like? What, what does it mean? How do I go about that? And I'll summarize it this way. Love God first. Love God most. Because until that is done, a lot of other stuff just won't make sense. I'll tell you this. 
when you begin to love God first, love God most, in your Scripture reading, they will begin to make sense. He will show you stuff. Guys, I know I took a long time and I ain't sorry for it. Um, heck, how long is four quarters of football? We'll sit there and watch a whole game. And we'll run to the refrigerator and break our neck getting back just to see some more, right? Did that just last night. Here's what I'm saying. God said something here today. And it wasn't because I'm a smart guy. It was because He's a holy God. He said something to us today. Don't dodge it. Don't discount it. Think it through. Take that passage of Scripture I just quoted to you. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love, love God first. And start asking what that means and to show that to you. I believe one of the, the key things in our Christian walk is we have such trouble with depression, anxiety, uh, unsureness, um, uh, just a plethora, just a, a bunch of things. We have such problems because we're not reading the Scriptures. We're not praying over them. We're not meditating on them. And we're not listening. Listen to God. Listen to God. He's speaking. Let's close. Father God, you, you are great and you are mighty. And God, your word never returns void. God, your word is always going to, to do something. It, it cuts. It pierces the heart. It encourages. It builds up. In short, your, your word makes us who you designed us to be. Father, that only happens through Jesus Christ. So my, my first, first thing I want to ask God is that for those who are, that doesn't belong to you, that, that God is asking questions and Father, that you have brought them to a place of, a starting point of curiosity, if you will, but whatever you have brought them to, Father, I pray today that they'll know that you will open their eyes. Father, that you will draw them unto yourself through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for souls to be redeemed and saved. And I pray for them to know you and come to love you and cherish you. I pray that, that you would become their first love. So, Father, I ask that. And, Father, I ask for my brothers and sisters, especially those who are, who are struggling with, with whatever it may be. Maybe they just need some assurance today. God, that you haven't left them. God, you haven't walked away. You tell us. You never leave us or forsake us. God, would you just assure them of that? Point them to a passage of Scripture. Point them to a place in your Word, God, that just uh, just confirms that about you. And, and so, Father, help them to be drawn to that. Father, I pray that all of us will leave this place today and we will pick up your Word and we will begin to read and we will begin to study and we begin to pray and glean. And God, listen to you. Father, help us through those things we just don't understand and help us to be okay with not understanding until you show us how to understand it. Point being, God, help us just to trust you 
to trust you. You will never fail us. Lord, I praise your name and thank you for this time today. May you be glorified in our week as we walk in obedience to your truth. May you be lifted up. We praise your name. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.